Thank you for taking the time to view this message online. You can connect with us more through our comments section of this video, through our Facebook page, or through our website, nhgj.org. In this series on the image of God, we've been looking back at the origin of humankind and really asking this question, what is God's intent for us as image bearers? The pattern throughout human history is to make a name for ourselves, whether individually or collectively. But this idea extends to, I want to create the image of me or the image of we together instead of reflecting the image of God. Now, the point of this study together and, and our time together has really been to identify what does it mean to be made in God's image? So far, I've highlighted these main ideas about what it means to be made in God's image. One, we are made in the image of God and we show who he is. So God didn't make idols of things to represent him on the earth. He made us men and women so we could see God in one another and honor that image in one another. Secondly, our identity or when we have identity confusion, it's more about broken humanity than it is about God's uh, own confusion about his own image. God doesn't have confusion about his image. Uh, it's about this brokenness that ex exists within humanity. And then finally, being made in the image of God is about establishing God's kingdom. So when we talk about God's image, we're not really talking about physical representation of God. We're talking more about the idea of we are here on earth to extend the reign of his kingdom, uh, to bring about his rulership, to liberate people, to define good and evil, not through ourselves, but as God imparts it to us. And so in this message, I want to identify the primary ways that we as humanity miss out on this opportunity to reflect God's image. Now, the, the biggest issue or miss is that we put on display our own image instead of God's image. Uh, this is kind of the idea of making a copy of a copy. <laughs> and, and so if we're the image, if we're created in God's image, but then we reflect more of ourselves, we're really worshiping a copy of what the original is, God himself, and it begins to get distorted. And so we're going to look at this idea. It, it kind of reminds me when we think about distorted images, uh, reminds me when I was younger and uh, much younger, and I'd go to the, the county or state fair, and there was always this, this uh, one, it wasn't so much a ride, but a, a place, um, something you could do where you give the, the um, gatekeeper your tickets, couple tickets, and you go inside and, and it was like a house of mirrors. Uh, sometimes it'd be scary, but sometimes just uh, something to maze, walk through in a maze. And, and they'd always have these mirrors in there. And, and one mirror, you would step in front of it and it would make you really wide and it would stretch everything out. Another one, you'd take a step to the left or right, look at the other one, and it would really stretch out your, body, your whole body and make everything very thin and long. And then one more would kind of do a mix of the two. You'd maybe have a really long neck, but a short body and then really long feet, and it would create this distortion. Well, now you don't actually have to go to a carnival. Uh, you just pull out your phone, and if you want to, you can distort an image on there. 
Uh, in fact, here are a few images of me that give you that same idea. Uh, you know, the, they, they look similar to me, but it's warped or distorted. It doesn't look exactly like me. Now, these all point to a physical distortion of image, but distortions often aren't outward. Often the distortion of an image uh, begins internally. Most often, in fact, our warped and distorted images are of a mental and spiritual nature uh, far before we ever see them or experience them physically. As we grow in our life with Jesus, we understand this principle, and Jesus talked about it. He said, the things that defile a person or the things that are uh, happening, they're, they're internal. They, they always begin from an internal perspective or point, and then they reflect or they go on display later on. And, and so before actions that separate me from God or other people uh, take place in visible ways, they have long existed in my heart and in my mind and in my attitudes. So before, for example, you would ever experience the anger of my bitterness, I have likely harbored bitterness in my heart and in my thinking about people or a person. And over time, because it's been nurtured there and grown there in, internally, it begins to manifest itself in my words and in my actions towards people. Well, this is very true in the same way when we think about uh, the people we're meeting and there's outward confusion regarding their image and identity. And in our culture, we're seeing so much of this. In our culture, there's so much talk about gender and sexual identity and who we are and just a sense of uh, confusion and, and understanding of what it means to be made in God's image. But the, the reality of that is that's a process that's been beneath the surface much, much longer. In fact, it's something that's been beneath the surface in humanity uh, for uh, throughout history. We're seeing a manifestation of it in our current culture, but it's nothing new uh, to the human condition. And we'll talk about that in, in just a moment. So for the remainder of this message, I really want to be able to present how the Bible identifies that uh, identity and image, how confusion comes about in men and women, and what we can do to encourage others and love others who are facing that challenge. So let's pray, and then we'll open up the scriptures and begin to better, get a better understanding of where this type of confusion comes from. Lord, thank you for your word that gives clarity to not only our own lives, but to the world around us. Uh, and so as we take time to look at your word and understand this in greater uh, depth, I pray that you would, Lord, as we see it in the culture around us, that you would lead it back to us. Help us not to be finger-pointing Christians, but that we would be introspective and reflective Christians who think about ways that this applies to us. Lord, messages that you speak to us are are always, Lord, first have their application in what you're speaking to us individually, and then we can think about it in ways that it might address the people and culture around us. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. And may we grow deeply in it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, 
have quite a bit of scripture that we want to look at uh, in this message, and it comes out of Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. And in this particular uh, section, portion of scripture, the Apostle Paul, speaking to the church in Rome, he is helping them understand how it is that God has revealed himself and how it is that mankind has kind of pulled away from God and has tried to chart their own course without God. And so we come into uh, this conversation that Paul in, in his writing in verse 18, where he is describing the process where uh, we as mankind have struck out, have, have charted out a course for ourselves in creating our own identity and our own pathway forward. So look with me at Romans chapter one, verse 18 and going forward. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and in their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Okay, let's pause. We're going to go on in just a moment, but I want us to pause there and recap kind of where Paul's at, because this whole portion is just loaded with so much imagery and, and doctrine and teaching and understanding about the human condition in relationship to how we're called to be image bearers. So the first thing that's pointed out here is that God is justified in his judgment against humanity. This is important because you and I often will come across people, and maybe we've been there ourselves, who ask this question. How can God judge people who have never heard the gospel? How can God uh, righteously or rightly judge people who have never heard about him? And so Paul is giving context for that question. And he's saying, hold on. He says, hold on. There is no excuse. He goes, it doesn't matter if you live in the most re remote part of the world. You've never heard, read a, had a Bible. You've never read anything. Uh, Paul says, listen, those people, even they are without excuse because God has revealed himself in creation. What can be known about God is in plain sight. And then he breaks it down. He says, here's what's known about God. One, his eternal power. And so he says, listen, this is what God's revealed about himself in creation, is that I can look around and you can look around in all of creation and we can say there is someone or something that was here before mankind. We didn't make all of this. This didn't exist from the hands of humanity. This existed before humanity and from something greater and more powerful than humanity. Second, Paul points out, is that the divine nature is present in the creative order. So namely, the divine nature being that it is not distorted and chaotic out there, 
but the world has an order to it. Things have a particular order and way of coming together. In fact, mankind, one of the things we do in science is we categorize uh, species and, and different genres and all kinds of things that we categorize and we name things, but we didn't create these different categories. God created it. And so Paul's saying, listen, there's a divine nature about God who is, he is not chaotic. It's not disordered. He has put order to the world around us. And then also that in this creative order, things aren't bland. Things are beautiful. God is a creative God. And so Paul makes sure to emphasize this. He says, listen, for, for all of those questions about how could God rightly judge somebody who's never heard about him or never uh, had the opportunity to hear about Jesus, uh, Paul says, whoa, hold on. <laughs> don't, don't worry about God, whether God is going to be righteous or not. He says that the problem isn't with God being just. He says the problem sits with humanity and that God has revealed himself just simply by lifting up our eyes and looking around. And we recognize that there is a creator, that there is someone who is divine, who has done all of this. And yet, he says, the problem is, is that we worship the created things and not the creator. So the, the key idea is there in verse 23, it says that we exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. That's our problem. Our problem isn't with God's judgment. Our problem is with our brokenness and our bent inclination to worship created things as opposed to saying, hmm, why would we worship the created things versus whoever or whatever it is that created them? Paul says, there's our problem, as we start from the wrong premise. Okay, so that's that quick recap. That's the critical error. We exchanged the glory of what is immortal, God, for the image of things that are mortal, fading, and temporal. Okay, let's pick it back up in verse 24. Therefore, because we did this, therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their heir. Pause again. So there's, I told you there's so much here and it talks and it ties back to this idea of identity and made in the image of God. So God, th this is kind of where Paul goes to. He says, listen, God was not willing to participate in the lie that we as humans had created in that we were worshiping created things rather than the creator. So he's basically saying, listen, I'm not going to even get on the same plane or allow you to put me on the same plane as creation. So he says, I'm not going to keep you from doing that, but he, he says, I'm not going to have any part 
of it. And so he says, go ahead and live out that lie. He lets humanity live out the lie that the creature is worth worshiping. And so they fully explore, we as humans fully explore this idea we have throughout the ages. We've, we've delved deep into this idea that we can worship the created things, including ourselves, instead of the creator. So now, throughout history and now, men and women exchange the honor and the glory of imaging God, and instead they receive the dishonoring of themselves, ourselves, by imaging one another. This is the, the dark exchange that the Apostle Paul is pointing to. He says, listen, the image of God in all of its glory is the image we're supposed to be replicating or presenting and, and showing God forth on the earth and, and representing him here. And ex instead, we exchange that glory for something so much smaller. Or another way to say it is that God created humans in his image, but instead of imaging him, they aimed much lower and worshiped the image of women and men. God gave them up to, God let them worship and experience how shallow, unfulfilling, and unsatisfying it is when we dishonor his image in us by exalting our own image. And this is, comes to the crux of what Paul is saying is the problem is. It's, it's that in this image-bearing process, when we begin to look at one another, when I look at myself and I begin to worship created things, including men and women, what happens is I dishonor God's image upon me and I start treating the image of men and women with dishonor. It seems counterintuitive, but that's what happens because we are not meant to be the item of worship. We're meant to be worshipers of one who is much greater and immortal and worthy of glory. So when we begin to worship one another, what happens is we dishonor our own selves, dishonor the one that we're worshiping or the other person or thing that we're worshiping. So let's continue with verse 28 because this wraps up with what the outcome of that is, what we actually see happen. Verse 28, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, oh my goodness, <laughs> the list just doesn't stop. Verse 32, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Wow. I, it's not only hard to read, it's hard to hear. It's, it's like a, a shake, just a shake to the shoulders of Wow, this, this speaks of the human condition in such a, a harsh way. But I would say, and I, I think you could see it as well, it's such a realistic way. The scripture, scriptures are not shy about opening up and pointing a light on the human condition. 
And Paul says we are in a terrible place when we begin to worship created things and namely create created people and men and women. We begin to worship ourselves and one another in place of God. Now, let me point out a few things because it speaks so directly to the, the fallenness of humankind and why we fail to live out being made in God's image. So let me start with this point. The sin of humanity can be summed up by acknowledging that we think too little of ourselves. God offers us glory, but we choose shame. God offers life, but we choose death. Now, I know some of you may be saying, but, but wait, I mean, you just talked about us worshiping people. Isn't that an indication that we think too much of ourselves and not too little of ourselves? Why, Andy, you might be saying, Andy, why do you think we think too little of ourselves? Well, remember, when we've talked about whose image we're created in, we're in the image of a glorious, eternal God. <laughs> we are created in His image. And so when I or when you worship a created thing, a person, when you or I worship a man or woman, we actually think too little of ourselves being made in his glory. Because if I'm in the glory, if you're in the made in the image of a glorious God, an eternal God, then why would I worship something that is created? I would find great uh, esteem and, and confidence, and I would have a great, uh, a much more full picture of who I am and who you are, who other people are, if I rightly understood that they are created, that we are created in the image of God. And so sin and debasing ourselves, co committing, not just committing sin, but living out sin, is not acknowledging who I am or who other people are. It's lowering ourselves as opposed to honoring ourselves. And Paul points that out. He says, God gave them up to dishonoring of their bodies. Sin is not honoring and esteeming ourselves. Sin is harming us. It's, it's too shallow. It's too small. It's too insignificant to be a person of glory. Sin brings us down, doesn't elevate us. So, again, just please hear me on this. This message, this portion of Scripture that Paul's speaking about, it speaks to every, every man and woman. This is not just about same-sex relationships. Yes, it talks about, Paul talks about men committing acts with other men, women with women, and giving their bodies over to things that they shouldn't. But... Paul's giving us imagery. He's giving us a physical representation of what's happening in the hearts of every human being. Whether you have committed same-sex relationships, same-sex acts uh, or not, Paul is saying this is the human problem, is that we worship the created people, the man, the woman, as opposed to the creator. And, and so... This is the intent of Paul writing this is to put us in the spotlight, is, is saying this is a we problem. This is the problem with humanity. This is what we have done, not just some people, those people. 
He says that's a physical representation of what we uh, as humanity have done. So we see it most profoundly in the way that men give, give themselves to other men is that they love themselves instead of the counter image of God. Man loving a man is saying, I love me, the image of me, more than I love the image of God represented in a woman. Remember, male and female, he created them, them in his image, right? And, and so when a man loves a man, this highlights the problem of mankind worshiping mankind. When a woman loves another woman physically and is, is connected sexually to another woman, it, it, it's not the fact that she has elevated herself too high, it's that she has failed to see the image of God in the opposite, in the man. And so we worship ourselves in the image of ourself. So we offer, the, the, the general idea is that we offer ourselves as the object of worship instead of keeping God at the center. So what's the answer to this? Well, I mean, very simplistically, of course, it's keeping God at the focus. It's seeing people in correct perspective. And by that, I'm not suggesting that we think less of people. I'm suggesting that we actually think more of people than we do. I'm, thinking, I, I, I'm suggesting that we think of others more highly than we think of ourselves. See, the, the sin problem that we run into is that we worship created things versus the Creator Himself. We see in other people just brokenness. We see shallowness. We see uh, a, 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 a thing, a created thing to be used by ourselves because we elevate ourselves in a way that we can use another person or even our own bodies in ways that, that we think will help us, will elevate us, will make us feel better. But God points to us and he says, no, you're, you're getting it backwards. You've got it bent and twisted. He says, listen, when you put yourself at the center and you worship created things, what happens is you defile yourself and the thing in which you are trying to honor and trying to elevate. Because it was never meant, you and I were never meant to be worshiped, we're meant to worship God Almighty, the creator of all, in all of his glory. We're not meant to trade something, the eternal worship of God, we're not meant to trade that for something temporal, the temporary worship of something that will go away in time. If we bear his image, which we do, scripture says we bear his image, we live in honor of that image, but we don't worship one another. We live in honor of God's image upon ourselves, but we direct our worship to him, but we honor each other as image bearers, not to be worshiped, but to be directed in worship to him who is worthy of it. C.S. Lewis, and maybe this helped. C.S. Lewis always has such a good way of describing things. It helps us understand each other in light of how God has created us as image bearers. This is just a portion of this quote, that, but I think it's, it's uh, 
directed to this idea. He says, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilization, these are mortal. And their life is ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. You see what C.S. Lewis is pointing to is this idea that we look at people as something to use, as something that is very base and insignificant. We look at ourselves in that light and we think too little of what we are. And so we are drawn to use those things as though we are gods and we can use them for our purposes. And instead, Lewis points to this idea. He says, listen, if you could see the person across from you as an image of God, oh my goodness, he says, listen, you, you would not treat it so lightly. You would not treat him or her with contempt. You would not treat him or her as something vile or base. You would be in awe of them, not to worship them, but to honor them as a reflection of God's glory. And so when we use people, and male gives relationship to male, or male dishonors another female, or vice versa, a woman dishonors a man, and we speak and do acts against one another in ways that we are not permitted to do so, because we are not gods. We are the created things, the ones created in the image of him whose glory is eternal in whom we truly worship. And so our problem in identity is not that we see ourselves as too great and we worship ourselves in that manner. It's that we see ourselves too little and we worship things that are not eternal, things that are created, instead of looking at ourselves as image bearers to honor God. Right response then is to get our eyes on Jesus, to recognize him who is the creator of all, and to see people in right perspective. And that begins to lead me in a pathway of not looking at the creative order as something to be worshiped, but having the right perspective that I am a, co, uh, a, a co-creator with God, that I am a co-kingdom uh, builder with him. He's the head and I follow with him. And I look at people in right perspective in that way. Well, let's pray. And then I would ask that God would help us to not dishonor ourselves and the people around us with base sins, but by honoring the image of God in those we encounter. Lord, thank you for your word. It is a tremendous thing, Lord, that you point out to us how we as humans have spiraled over and over uh, time and again throughout human history. And we see it in our modern American culture that we are doing the same thing that has gone on before us. And we know we can't escape it because it's the human condition, but we can speak to it. We can pray, God, and we can intervene 
and do our best to point our eyes and the eyes of others not towards created things to be worshipped, but towards you, the Creator, who is worthy of all glory. And Lord, in that, it would stop us. It would, it would be the, 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 the thing that would give us pause and would cause us to turn our eyes heavenward, to worship rightly, and not to allow things to serve us, but for us to serve you and to give us right perspective of other people as well. We thank you for your word and we pray that it would direct our actions as how we serve you and find our identity in you. We love you, Jesus, and we bless your name. Amen. You can find more resources for this service at nhgj.org. Email us your prayer requests to prayer at nh4gj.org. If you are a new follower of Jesus, we have a free resource for you called Following Jesus. To receive a copy, send a request to info at nh4gj.org. If you would like to partner with our ministry through giving, you can do that online at nhgj.org giving or by mail to 641 Horizon Drive, Grand Junction, Colorado, 81506. Thank you for being with us and may the Lord bless you.